God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear and the dread of you shall rest on every animal of the earth and on every bird of the air and on everything that creeps on the ground and on all of the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Wow. Fuck. <laughs> what happened to the uh, that whole mellow... We're all happy animals. Yeah, but don't you remember when he created us? And like, I think it's verse, it's chapter one, verse 26. He's like, let us give them dominion over all the, all the things. We've had dominion over all the things for a while. That's a callback. But now they're explicitly food. Right. But we should, we should also do the intro. Should we? <laughs> yeah, we wander down this path. So, uh, so I'm Alexander. I'm Diogenes. All right. Well, I am Michael from Neuroscriptura. Get ready for a spiritual journey as two godless atheists read the Bible from cover to cover. Will they learn to love Jesus, or will they continue to forfeit their souls to Satan? Find out what happens when the Bible stops being polite and starts getting weird. Great to have you on, Michael. Um, so we've been a follower of your Twitter for a while, and uh, we're somewhat familiar with what you do. I think we're going to play your, uh, your sound. What's the lady's name who you have explaining? Uh, actually, I don't, I don't even know her name. She's, uh, I got her off of Fiber, and... Uh... So she's anonymous. <laughs> she's, she's anonymous to me. Mirror reading is a method of interpreting the Bible and discovering the original authorial intent. By reflecting some of the text, mirror reading is able to reconstruct the opposing narratives or arguments that the biblical authors were responding to. Mirror Scriptura is dedicated to using this exciting method to bring new understanding to the biblical text. To learn more about mirror reading, please visit mirrorreading.com. Thanks, Fiber Lady! <laughs> you have a pleasant accent. <laughs> That's exactly why I hired her. Uh, so in this case, I think uh, in, in this chapter, chapter nine that we're dealing with, uh, we have uh, two sources. I, I know you've talked about different uh, sources, the documentary hypothesis uh, on your on your program before. I follow a hypothesis called the supplementary hypothesis, Ooh. and it's a, it's a little bit different than the documentary hypothesis in that the documentary hypothesis will. Um, it has different sources, but they're kind of all spliced together. They they're written independently, and then they're all kind of spliced together. Where the supplementary hypothesis has a different approach, where it's uh, the biblical author is aware of the previous source, and so it's kind of building upon the previous source. So in this chapter, we have the priestly source, who's building on top of the Yahweh source, and the Yahweh source is responding to uh, an opposing narrative that was out there. So in this first part that you've just read, we have uh, the priestly source. Um, oh, and a little disclaimer, I haven't fully mirror read all you know these sources, so this is kind of a first draft uh, thoughts that I'm sharing with you uh, today. Um, I think we're okay with that. <laughs> our, our academic standards aren't all that stringent. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so the priestess source is uh, reacting to the Yahweh source in a sense, and and that it looks like the people were taking the Yahweh source that that the Yahweh's flood account was a local flood, or uh, or at least some some animals and some uh, some people had survived the flood, and so the priestly is expanding that flood to kill everyone, and so. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, and this is another thing that from my mirror reading, I've, I've determined that, uh, everything that I've mirror read so far has been political propaganda. That's what the priesthood source is, is, is doing here as well. He's expanding, uh, this flood and, and, and we've seen this in the previous, uh, previous chapters. So it is the priestly, is the priestly 150 days? Exactly. So he's expanding from 40 days to 150 right. days to make sure everybody's dead. He's making sure it's 15 cubits over the mountains so that everybody's dead. He's he's opening the fountains of the deep so you can get a bigger flood. Uh, he's adding the dimensions of the ark so you can you know that all the animals are on the ark, or at least you know he he thought at the time that it would have held all the animals. So how um, does the mirror reading hold up to the giraffes? Because this was a this was a point on our podcast too. Was the uh... Giraffes on the Ark. How? Uh, uh, <laughs> what is the reaction? And dinosaurs. Yeah, where did the dinosaurs go? Did you that? know Hasidic Jews don't believe in dinosaurs? This I was no, news did not to know me. that. Hasidic Jews don't. Well, or some Hasidic Jews don't <laughs> believe in some dinosaurs. <laughs> but everybody believes in the iguanodon. <laughs> yeah, right. He's got the thumbs up. Well, it's, it's likely that the priestly source wasn't familiar with dinosaurs or even giraffes. So I doubt that was taken into his account. Um, but, uh, you know, the priestly source is one of the more heavy handed writers that I've come across. And so one of the key uh, uh, signals that you, you know whether to mirror something or not is the frequency. And so in this chapter and previous chapters, the phrase all flesh pops up a lot. And so, you know, you can make a drinking game out of it or whatever, but <laughs> all flesh, take a drink. He, yeah, he's going to mention all flesh, I, I guess. See, drinking game wasn't the first thing that came to mind <laughs> flesh, but uh, I mean, yeah, making the Bible a drinking game is not too different than what we're doing here. <laughs> I'll try and pull my mind out of the gutter. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so the more something's mentioned the less likely it is to or the more likely it is to not have been the case it's like the from, so it sounds like what you're saying is the way you read the bible it's trying to convince you and the harder it tries to convince you of something the less likely it's accurate yes yeah, yeah i compared although, it to donald trump when we brought him up before <laughs> right 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 <laughs> yeah although technically mere reading doesn't say which side is correct it only it only reconstructs you know it only presents both sides um but at some points the biblical account becomes ridiculous and so you can see that it is it, it really is just propaganda <laughs> so are this you... is the best book ever <laughs> are, are you familiar with this make the bible uh... great again <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> so is are there a lot of people that mirror read uh, so mirror reading is a is a known technique. Uh, most people think it's speculative. Most people like to limit it to um, things that are are more obvious, like like Paul's letters. Like Galatians is usually a a prime example of this. 
and that you can kind of tell Paul is is responding to uh, some false teachings. But I've developed my my own methodology around this technique, and so I've been able to apply it uh, to to narratives as, as well. Uh, so although there are people that do it to some extent, actually everybody does it to, to some extent. I mean, uh, in some cases, especially in the New Testament epistles, it's obvious that the writers are responding to something. Uh, but I've taken it to a whole new level, and uh, so I've been able to to apply it to other to other genres. So we're starting okay. off the pre priestly source, uh, who's saying grief fruitful, multiply and fill the earth, and so you'll see this again later on in the chapter. And uh, so Noah's sons, uh, which were originally four sons, by the way, not three, and, and Canaan, Canaan, Canaan was one of those sons, and we'll get to that later. But um, so the priestly source has to has to expand these these sons to uh, populate the whole world, and so that's why he's saying, you know, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, uh, in order to back up the claim that that Noah's sons were the one that populated the whole. The whole uh, the whole earth, which goes back to the basically saying nobody else survived the flood. Right. So what uh, with your uh, background, what was what was like the party line in so far as like Noah's neighbors? Uh, <laughs> like, right. Like what is how, how do they explain what, what were Noah's neighbors doing while it was building the ark? Yeah, right. Well, um, you know, I, I guess growing up, it would have been, you know, they were they were making fun of him, even though that's actually not in the text. It was, really? uh, okay. yeah, it was, you know, Noah's this uh, pious builder making this ark, and he's he's trying to get everybody on the on the boat, and uh, you know, everyone's making fun of him, and and oh well, it's never rained here. I mean, what do you? crazy but it's not he, gonna f why is he gonna get everybody on the boat why does he want to get everybody on the boat yeah i mean it's that's not explicitly stated that he reached out to anybody but that's the good christian thing to do oh uh, interesting but, uh although in second peter first second peter it does say I, th I think it does say something about uh noah warning people although that may be in the afterlife i'm not uh my memory's kind of going on that but mm. um and then the Lord said, every man for himself. <laughs> <laughs> Battle Royale. Yeah, right. Hasn't that been, yeah, but hasn't that been an ongoing theme, though? We started off in, like, the peaceful Garden of Eden stage, and it's gone more and more into God pitting his creations against each other. Uh. <laughs> well, let, let me uh, let me run one political pride point past you. I've seen this in other in other accounts. So, and let's say, for example, the Moses narrative and the Alois source. Uh, he has Mo Moses kill every man, woman, and child. Uh, I think I think I think it was the Amorites. I I, don't, I can't be sure, but um, and this seems this seems really uh, difficult for. You know, a religious book, it shouldn't be saying things like that. But for the biblical writer, and it's about political propaganda, this is about eliminating anybody else who might who might lay claim to that land. This is Israelite land, and there might be foreigners in that land. And so he's just going to make everybody Israelite by killing killing everyone in the past off. And so I think we have the same situation here. 
uh, with the Yahwist, who is killing everybody off in the flood in order to uh, in order to eliminate any any claims that that people might have. And <laughs> so this is really, you know, this is really revealing about biblical authors in that they don't they don't give a shit about uh, about morality or or you know any any kind of religious factor it, it, it they don't care about making people look bad or having people lie as long as it supports their political propaganda that's really the only um that's only that's the only agenda that the biblical writer has and so when people are trying to make this 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 book uh, the bible a theology book and it's not really a theology book and it's it's political propaganda and if you don't understand that you're not going to understand what the text means Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you, and just as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything! Only you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is its blood. For your own lifeblood, I will surely require... What? I'm sorry. I had to. I had to ride require my... a reckoning. Yeah, no, Ooh, I out, I out. had to ride my own level, so I had to look away from the page. Uh... <laughs> but what does that mean? Yeah. Only you shall not eat flesh with its life. Here, hold on. Let me let me just get yeah. Let me get the verse out, or it's gonna it's gonna kill me in the edit. So, for your own life blood, I will surely require reckoning from every animal. I require it and for from human beings each one for the blood of another i will require a reckoning for human life that is a <laughs> difficult <laughs> set of words yeah, right it's a difficult <laughs> like okay so i think yeah only you shall not eat the flesh with its life that is its blood that is its blood so yeah, you can't eat bloody meat? Everything it... have blood? Yeah. Unless you're you're just eating vegetable. They have tofu now that bleeds. <laughs> <laughs> That's a thing. I'm at, at that point it's like, well you just want it to be meat. Like I like tofu, but I don't understand why you would want to make tofu bleed. They should they gotta genetically engineer tofu that you can battle to the death. Oh, that's one great. of those shabu shabu pops <laughs> with your chopsticks. <laughs> 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 uh, what do you think, Mike? <laughs> uh, well, there's a few different views here. The the eating the flesh uh, without the blood could. Some people think it refers to like eating eating the animals alive. Uh, others just think it refers to just draining the blood out before you before you uh, before you cook it. Um, Is this the origin then of the kashrut? Yeah, right. The the uh, Jewish laws of what you can and cannot eat. Cause that's a, that's one of the tenets is you you have to right. bleed out the cows. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think this is this is really interesting here because uh, the the princely source here is saying that. You can eat all flesh. Where later he's going to say he's going to limit that just for the for the Israelites. Um, you know. that, that seems like a real that seems, it, seems like a real George Costanza thing. Like you can eat anything, anything, but not that, <laughs> not that. <laughs> 
Was was it also the priestly source that had the whole shtick about the clean and unclean? I'm not lean for clean. No, no. Because that came up. That came up already with the animals on the ark. Yeah, uh, but yeah, there was no definition it, of what yeah, was clean and unclean. Yeah, before it describes what any of that's supposed to mean. I, I think the Yahweh source does see animals as clean and unclean, but they're intrinsically clean and unclean. Where the priestly source is saying they're on, they're clean and unclean because God says so. But it still doesn't say what clean and unclean are. Yeah, now here it doesn't, but it does later in the priestly priestly source. But we're not there yet. <laughs> so it's that's. It's going to be kind of confusing. It's like, oh, there's this concept of clean and unclean, but I have no idea what it is. Yes. So I wonder if they, like, walk around, like, trying each of the animals. Say, oh, are you clean? (laughs) What does that process look like to divine if something is clean or unclean by eating it? (laughs) So, okay, here's the thing with the way we're we're doing this podcast, the the good book. Shout out to uh, the good book uh, brought up on their podcast. If you were to read the Bible cover to cover, hypothetically, which we're actually doing, uh, anyone reading this would already have an understanding of clean and unclean and kosher and not kosher. The, the original reader would have, yeah. Right, no, I know we don't, but that's the thing. Anyone else reading so it So the fact that, we, that we're having such trouble with putting this into context means this is culturally irrelevant. I mean, yeah, the way you grew up, maybe. Not the way Eliezer grew up, certainly. That's true. <laughs> it all depends on that dice roll, man. If you grow up in Crown Heights, you know, you end up believing some crazy shit. <laughs> Shout really... out to Chabad.org. <laughs> <laughs> If there's any group of people that is going to like come at us with torches and pitchforks, it's gonna be Habad. With love, with love, they do have the correct interpretation. Uh, well, yeah, that's true. That's true. Close to the source. Uh, where are we? Six. Oh, we didn't finish talking about this—the reckoning for human life. Yeah, is that like the beginning of like an eye for an eye? Yeah, I, I I think it's related. I mean, um, the I think it could be countering the idea that you could financially um, compensate for killing someone uh, because the priest of source will will deal with that a little bit later as well. So that may be that may be tied in here too. You know, this this could be tying into uh, what happens later in this chapter with the covenant. Um, and most people think that the rainbow covenant is is one-sided and that it's just a promise by God not to flood the earth again. But this may be one of the conditions uh, for not flooding the earth again is, you know, one, you don't eat uh, animals with the blood in it. And two, you you make sure anyone who kills somebody is killed. And if, if you if you don't do those things, then that would open up the possibility for God to flood the earth again. Although that's not really explicit in the text, it could be, uh, if we're talking in terms of covenant, this could be the terms of the covenant. Yeah, but isn't there, isn't he going to break the covenant eventually with the whole uh, the whole end times thing? Doesn't uh, the world well, end? Well, the we world ends, but, but, not, 
not by yeah not no by yeah no, I, yeah i know we, we haven't reached the end of the book yet they, yeah i think our our audience understands that <laughs> but no that that I, i'm just saying the end times is a thing in in uh in religion yeah but the promise is here not to flood the earth again it doesn't say you know wiping out the earth by another means <laughs> but isn't that just kind of like I won't particular I won't kill you in exactly this way ever again. <laughs> I'm not ruling anything else out, but this particular way, it's right out. You got my word. Yeah. yeah. If I were Noah, I would have negotiated that covenant a little bit differently. It's like, okay, you're not gonna flood us. What about brimstone? <laughs> <laughs> Wildfires. <laughs> No, but so what is the reckoning? What is the reckoning for human life? Because it says from every animal, I will require it. And from human beings, each one for the blood of another, I will require reckoning for human life. Right. Which so what about make... the animals requires right. the, the reckoning? The reckoning is in the next verse. Uh, whoever sheds the blood of a human, by a human, that, that person's blood be shed. For in his own image, God made humankind. So this is, uh, is this like the beginning of Thou Shalt Not Kill? Uh, yeah, I, and I believe, well, actually that's, that's pre, uh, that's pre priestly source. Um, but yeah, I think he's uh, expanding on that. What is pre priestly source? Is that a different source? Pre? Yeah, well, be, before, <laughs> be, yeah. before the priestly source, before it was written. Yeah. Thou shalt not kill was before right. the priestly source. Right. right. One of those implicit clean, unclean, it's in the, the zeitgeist things. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, that's a pretty good rule as like, if like I were to just like, like I don't know what the Ten Commandments are, but if I were to like guess like what my own ten would be, it would be like, don't kill anyone, don't rape anyone. Don't like burn anyone's house down. Uh, doubly so if they're in it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> doubly so if they're in it. Uh, that would fall under the kill. But you know what I mean. Seems like a good rule. Seems pretty yeah. basic. Well, and that's that's kind of the interesting point here. Is it, it seems like a good rule here, um, but from my previous experience, everything is political propaganda. What is the angle here? That the priestly point is trying to make, uh, and I, I, I don't really, I don't really know what that is. So, does your priestly and Yahweh sources line up with the sources of? Uh, fine, the fine, Bible fine. with sources revealed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think. How would he know that? Because uh, you yeah. read that, right? As part of your identifying the other thing, uh, I think there's Actually, other books. <laughs> right. Actually, I go off a website called um, um, BibleCriticism.com. It's, oh. it's, it's, a, it's a site by uh, by Tima Yore is his name, and uh, so he holds to the supplementary hypothesis like I do, and uh, he breaks down both both uh, both theories. He has the documentary hypothesis on there, and he. And, and he has a supplementary hypothesis on there, um, but I would assume they're they're fairly the same 
uh, in this chapter, but I, I can't say that for sure. So with the mirror reading, like we, we're becoming more and more familiar with the documentary hypothesis because it seems to come up every episode. <laughs> um, yes. But, uh, that is how we become more familiar with things. In the supplementary hypothesis, then, the great redactor character uh, that we see in the documentary hypothesis is your Yahwist hypothesis or the, the priestly source character who's taking the other uh the the yahwist source and expanding upon it so that they would be playing the redactor yes organizing the texts and so forth he could be considered a redactor i guess although pretty pretty extensive one well this is this is interesting that we haven't talked about yet the reasoning that somebody should not kill somebody else is because they resemble god Right. Yeah. So God's saying, "Don't, don't destroy things that look like me." Because also, I made you. It also seems strange that animals were involved in that whole thing. Because, like, if a bear eats you, what's the recourse? <laughs> right. Like, you go to a church and be like, "Yeah, a bear ate my brother." <laughs> what do they say? Like, yeah, tough shit. A bear ate your brother. Like. <laughs> It, it happened in history. That was, that was his reckoning. Yeah, that was. <laughs> <laughs> well, later later in the priesthood source, he will he will uh, specify that, and in in that case, the bear would need to be killed. But doesn't the bear not know what it doth do? Tough shit for the bear. <laughs> sad bear and you be fruitful and multiply abound on the earth and multiply in it so this is a restatement of the thing that was just said before yeah we be very similar in verse one i think it was yeah so this is that frequency thing, which means, uh, you know, we would, you well, know, explain this. Well, appears in earlier chapters, too, to be fruitful and multiply. So you would look at what the opposite of that is. So the the context was they were not many of they, them? That they didn't, yeah, right. They didn't, they didn't multiply because they didn't fill the entire earth because there were people that survived the flood and they helped fill the earth as well. Uh... See, I would, I, I, yeah, I was going to say it would be strange if the counter message was no, never have sex, do not procreate, do not, because like every religion wants the be fruitful and multiply thing, right? Because that's how they get more followers. So you get more people indoctrinated into that religion. Yes. So, right, like I, I'm just having trouble, uh, I, the way you stated it, Mike, made a lot more sense than the way I was thinking about it. <laughs> like Quakers. Like all those... Like there's a couple crazy groups that are just like, we're not we're not doing sex anymore. And, you know... Right. Well, the Catholic, you know, Catholic Church priests, they're so... <laughs> oh! Oh. Then God said to Noah... And to his sons with him, 
As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, and, and as many as ca came out of the ark. Wow, why is that so hard to read? I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all the flesh be cut off with the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for the future generations. you want to talk about any of that? Yeah. Um, so again, this is the priestly source is expanding. He's expanding the covenant to everybody. Um, now, just to know, it looks like it was just for Noah initially, but it says Noah and his sons uh, and every, you know, every living creature. Well, because all other people are dead, right? That's the only group of people that exist. There's Noah and and the women, I guess. But who needs who needs women in the Bible? Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you see you see the term all flesh again in here, and um, so it's really the priestly source who's trying to expand that covenant out to everyone and everything. I still think it's a pretty weak covenant if he's just going to destroy the world by some other means. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Never again shall the fle flesh be cut off by the waters. Of but then I guess, wait, no, Jesus comes. So, like, if you're, like, a good Christian, Jesus takes you up to heaven, and then God destroys everything. Is that how it works? Isn't that's like the rapture, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, it depends if you're pre-trib or not. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I was really into pre-trib rapture for a while because of the. What, uh, what is that? Pre-tribulation. So there's. <laughs> okay, take it back one more step. <laughs> so there's the rapture. Well, it depends on who you are, what you believe. Uh, but the the it's the left behind books. With fucking Kirk Cameron is in the movie. Yeah. yeah. And like, it's like, anyway. <laughs> he's a, like a 4400 Rapture all guy. Dead. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, what was my point? Oh, yeah. So, right. There's the Rapture. So, all the faithful go up to heaven. And then there's Tribulation, where like all the crazy shit happens. And then the world. When, when when cats and dogs are living in harmony. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then there's there's an opposite of that. There's a rapture without tribulations, or post tribulations. Because you said if pre trib rapture, in, ma making it sound like there was another kind of rapture. Are there other types of rapture? Right. Not other. It's either pre trib rapture or there's no rapture at all. Um, so oh, there's you, no post-tribulation rapture? That, that's what I was asking. Yeah, Poorly, no, I, I would have assumed there was. <laughs> <laughs> then why does it need to be pre-tribulation? Just, it's the only one. I don't know why it needs a qualifier. I don't know. Why do they need to be young earth creationists? Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? <laughs> you know, it's not easy being green. <laughs> I only know two Muppet songs. <laughs> Those were the two. 
Those are two really good ones, though. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring the clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and all the living creatures of all flesh, and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. What about the bones? <laughs> and the blood. Yeah, because it's not in the flesh anymore, because otherwise it would be a um, reprisal. Can we, That's not can the we word. just get to the end of this paragraph? <sighs> okay. <laughs> when the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. All right. So why does the rainbow remind God to not do this again? He's like, man, I really got to I gotta flood these people down here. They're really pissing me off. It's like, oh, that's right. The rainbow can't do that again. Doesn't that? Well, there, there's three times in this text within the paragraph that says the bow is in the clouds. Uh, it may be that the priestly source is responding to a storm god narrative. Uh, storm, god, storm gods like Baal. Uh, were often portrayed with a bow and arrow, and so in the, in the opposing narrative, it may have been you know an actual bow and arrow, and so the previously source is spinning that, and he's going to put a bow in the clouds uh, to change to change the meaning of the narrative. Wait, so the bow bow ambiguity tracks between languages? In the Hebrew, I believe so. Yes. That's interesting. Huh. I wonder if the Hebrew word, well, I guess that's what you're saying, right? The Hebrew word for rainbow right. is very close to the Hebrew word for like a bow yeah. and arrow. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, some people think that this is this is actually what the priestly, priestly uh, source is trying to say, that, that God, you know, God was warlike when he caused the flood. And so after the flood, he hangs up his, his bow in the clouds. Uh, I have a different view, and I think you know it was it was it, I, it was in the opposing narrative, uh, and it wasn't actually. I think I think the priestly source is trying to spin away from that, um, but you know those those thoughts are out there. So w- wait, so what's the opposing narrative then? Well, it's it's my guess is it's something to do with uh, a storm god, um, who had a you know I, I don't want to say I don't know if it literal bow and arrow would be the phrase but it wasn't a bow in the clouds that's for sure and so the priest of source is trying to spin that and uh trying to make it a you know just the rainbow oh i was gonna say about this whole this whole like rainbow remembering thing i have a theory about this and it relates to in you remember how in uh, in the priest yeah it's the priestly source and the first genesis story Human beings, everything is created by divine decree. God is like, let us do this. I'm like, it's a little well, weird. He says, let me. us, but whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll give that a pass for now. But um, so I think, I think the it's like <laughs> the royal us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
But no, I think it's like uh, it's like the holodeck, right? And he's saying, let there be light. And there's light. And he sees that it's good. And then he says, oh, let's make some people. And then he says, oh, let's do this. Let's do that. Right. So the so we the, live in a simulation. Right. Right. And the rainbow is an icon on the program icon that says like, oh, I've already destroyed this one before. So, right. So like he destroys, you know, like if he destroys one, he puts a rainbow over the icon and then he knows he doesn't flood it again. He, you know, burns it or destroys it in a more interesting way. Taking that to an absurd <laughs> level. What if every color of the rainbow was a different catastrophe? So as so it's one of those things that building the icon as he goes, it's like, okay, it's got the yellow stripes, so I've flooded it. It's got the red stripes, so there's been wildfires. It's like Sim City, right? Because I mean, I, I don't know if you guys played Sim City as kids, but yeah, so it'd, it'd be like God uh, unlocking uh, achievements. So like, you've achieved red. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and that that red is you know the wildfires because when I that SimCity yes <laughs> so when I used to play SimCity you'd you'd work really hard or I I would work really hard to get like a an efficient city running and then I'd be like all right save it I'm unleashing the 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 Godzilla and the Godzilla would come in and smash the city and it's just doing it to see what happens and so and God seems like it is what uh, god is after with the the rainbow and the colors well that's a cool that that sounds cool i'm not to rain on your parade but the the text of the bible kind of goes against that in a lot of places and trying to make god out to be a god of order not of chaos so uh, it may may not may not tie into uh into it very well all right but what about the holodeck does it say anything about the holodeck Uh, yeah that's totally legit We see the old flesh again, right? Yeah, a lot. So, the mirror of that then is not all flesh. Uh, right. So that there there were uh, there were there were people or animals that were not included in the covenant. Hmm. Like the unicorns. Exactly. Well, well I would think the sea monsters. The sea monsters were never harmed in all of this. The sea monsters are still very happy. Yeah, no, no, no. We have dominion over them. We can eat them. Oh. You could have sea monsters too if you wanted to. God, I think we should find okay the sea monsters. I, are the, sea, the, see, the sea monsters, I think, are hiding in the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. That's that's a possibility. Can we can we rerail this discussion? <laughs> so we're saying here though that because uh, God needs this reminder, he's not omniscient. This God character is not omniscient because why would they need a reminder if they were all knowing? It's like oh, this happened; they would be cataloged forever. Well, I think I think I think so, but. Um... The typical, uh, I guess, Christian argument would be that it's just, um, that's just, uh, it's just for show. It's just, uh, I, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's not like God didn't know. It's just, oh yeah, that's just a reminder. That's what I did, you know? 
So it's God trying to convince Noah that he's not going to do it again is what you're saying? Well, yeah. Well, I think that's the point of uh, – I think that's the point of the priestly source um, in that there seems to be some fear of this happening again, and the priestly source is writing against that. I'm not exactly sure why the original reader was concerned with that. but uh, Well, in some yeah. religions, I don't know about the uh, ball worshippers or whatever. But like, are there's like cycles of creation and destruction, right? In some religions, the world ends multiple times. The Hopi believe we're in the seventh world. Is it the Hopi? I think it's the Hopi. <laughs> Let me look that up. <laughs> Maybe it's the fifth world. Are they on Twitter? <laughs> The sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was peopled. I like that word, peopled. <laughs> like, it's, uh, it's a weird word to turn into a verb. Yeah, peopling. Yeah. Yeah, people do it. It's disgusting, though, man. Oh. Breeding? Yeah, it's so biological. <laughs> it, it's a trip. Like, people got to find a better way to procreate. This it, is just... It, it's such, oh, like, alien. fluids? Oh, oh, it, it, oh, it's like alien. Oh, it really is. Oh, oh, it's gross. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. There are a lot of fluids, though. <laughs> to plant a vineyard. He drank some of the wine and became drunk. He lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Uh, I mean, he's, he's, got, he's got priorities. First thing he does <laughs> off the ark is get drunk and fall down naked <laughs> in the gutter. Well, yes, we did it! Oh. Well, no, but not only that, he plants a vineyard. That's like like there's years nothing before... there. And <laughs> you plant a vineyard. But he not only did he plant a vineyard, but he got grapes. So this is like seven to ten years later. Because it takes a long time for a vineyard to actually turn around Does windable it? grapes. Yeah. It's like twelve years. Well, That's well, lame. Some scholars actually speculate that uh, this originally Noah was a independent story that had nothing to do with the flood and that Noah was a, uh, the inventor of wine. And, and so he was, he was basically a farmer. And so this whole episode here stood independently of the flood narrative originally. Huh? Cause there are many archetypal Noah flood characters, but I don't know of parallels with this particular Part of it. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, lowest of slaves shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed by the Lord my God be Shem, and let Canaan be his slave. 
May God make space for Japheth, and let him live in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his slave. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. All the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Wow. Right? That is, that is some vindictive shit. What if he was just like, hey guys, dad's naked over there. We should probably do something about that. And he's and Noah was so pissed. He's like, you have to serve your other two brothers. So, so you remember Rashi? Yes. Rashi had a thing about this. And uh, we had a Rashi expert for this episode, but he fled the bunker and ran into the night at this point in the episode. <laughs> so we never got to hear the Rashi. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we never got to hear the Rashi explanation, which is uh, there's the bit about how uh, Noah knew what Ham had done to him, right? So, well, how but could But what did Ham known? do to him? Right. How, well, what did he do? Well, according to Rashi, he castrated him. There's... Wait. <laughs> There's another explanation that his nakedness is a euphemism for his wife, for Mrs. Noah. We don't know her name. Uh, <laughs> and that this is like a... The, this is like the first cuckold... Cuckold... Uh, Cuckoldry, uh, <laughs> which, <laughs> with uh, by his son, yeah, with Ham, Ham having sex with his mother, and uh, the edible right because well, one of the one of the ideas behind this uh, interpretation is that it was uh, Noah doesn't curse Ham, obviously he curses. The grandson, he curses Canaan and says Canaan will be the lowest of slaves. Oh, so one yeah. of the interpretations, the cuckoldry interpretation holds that there's some time that passed that we don't know about and that the uh, that Canaan is actually the offspring of either Ham and Mrs. Noah or Ham and one of Noah's uh, concubines. Where did the concubines come from? There weren't any concubines in the ark. How do you know there were concubines on the ark? Because it said pretty specifically the the Noah, his wife, his sons, and his sons' wives. There's no concubines in there. I think. Where, I where's think Rashi getting? I think they're included. I, I don't. I well, I don't know if that's a Rashi thing. A lot of the, a lot of my research for this was wackadoo YouTube videos. So <laughs> some things are Rashi. Some things are just. Uh, no, but it's. I don't it's see a how compelling... that can be out of any of this. Uh, <laughs> I, um. I mean, it's an interpretation that you could have. It seems like mental gymnastics. But he must have done something, right? Can well, I get... Can, yeah, yeah go, get, yeah, go ahead, Mike. Uh, yeah, well, first of all, I think that uh, originally Canaan was the one that, that uh, you know, saw the nakedness. Uh, and I think the priestly source adds in uh, Ham was the, was the father of 
in order to shift from Canaan to Ham, uh, the priest of source is very anti anti Canaanite. So I think that's why he does that. Uh, secondly, I think you know seeing the nakedness of the father in the opposing narrative, I think it did refer to was a euphemism uh, for sex with Noah's wife, and yeah, and the Yahweh is trying to uh, push away from that. And so if you look if you look at the text closely here, you can see that it's it's the Yahweh is trying to get away from the sex with his wife and just make it seeing seeing naked Noah seeing Noah naked as as trivial as that might, might seem for the Yahweh that's a better thing than for for him to have sex with Noah's wife. Uh, so you'll see things like. Well, he lay uncovered in his tent, so that that's clearly has something to do with the with the nakedness, you know, literal nakedness of Noah. Of Noah, and then his two brothers, they walk backwards so they don't see him. Again, that's clearly having to do with nakedness, really pushing away from the sexual uh, euphemism. And I've seen this before in uh, in in other sources where they take sexual euphemisms and they'll make it a literal meaning in order to give it a different a different spin to the narrative. So that's kind of that's kind of how I see things. I think it makes more sense that way. Um, but yeah. So it's interesting. Not only is this possibly, I mean, it depends on your interpretation, but not only is this possibly the beginning of cuckoldry. This is also the beginning of slavery, and uh, this particular part of the Bible was used uh, during the transatlantic slave trade, and, uh, and it was also used uh, in medieval Europe, and it was thought that uh, the serfs were the descendants of uh, Canaanites. So this is the first divine right of rule. It, this is the first that people are taking this is nation building right the 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 right the you know Kurt, the lowest of slaves shall be his brothers shall he be to his brothers and then you know the, the nations that come from these people so this is the this is the beginning then we're seeing of the, of the first uh in group versus out group that's represented well, we already had the first in-group versus out-group was the, uh, not the Canaanites, but the Canites, the Cain's right. line, which is, it's weird that, like, the mark of Cain was used as a racist trope, right? Even though all those people presumably at this point in the story are dead, uh, they died in the flood. And then now, like... Right, like those two things, they, they, it doesn't make sense simultaneously. Right, could black skin be the mark of Cain, oh. and could Canaanites be the descendants of? Uh, no, the yeah, that, that doesn't make people. any sense. What What's the context around Japheth, kind of being like, uh, him elevating Shem over Japheth because they. They together uh, clothe the nakedness or whatever, and we're deserving of praise. But why is one made subservient to the other? What's the logic behind that? If they both walked in behind backwards with the garment, uh, whatever euphemism or not, um, they're being praised and, and elevated. But why is one being elevated more than the other? Well, I, Everybody Shem works for Shem, and then Japheth is living in the tent of Shem. 
Shem is going to be elevated because the Israelites descend from Shem. So there's a there's a motivation to make right. Shem look good. Uh, Japheth, I'm not really sure what's going on on with that. I'm not. I don't really know what's going on with the you know living in the tents of Shem. I'm not sure what that's all about. You're not a Japheth scholar, Mike. No, no, <laughs> I haven't I haven't reached that Japheth level yet. <laughs> Um, so we couldn't find a black Israelite to be on the show, but I did watch a YouTube video by a black Israelite and I took notes. So I'm not going to do an impression because that would be bad. Uh, (laughs) but, uh, so what he says or what this, yeah, what he said was basically that uh, most of these, uh, he called them extra biblical sources, are Jewish and not Hebrew Israelite. So this whole, uh, there's also one of the versions, I think, in the Talmud, and they talk, uh, that this guy talked about it in his YouTube video, is that... Uh, Ham had sex with Noah, and uh, where, where is that? It's not. It's in the Talmud, and that's what oh. this guy said. He's like, "Well, now you're all just making shit up. Like it's you know, you made it up." But he said that homosexuality is a flaw in European culture, and things like the Talmud are Jewish and are actually corrupted by European culture. Uh, what else? <laughs> Weird. <laughs> uh, I mean, all right. I, so. I think that I, I don't know. I think that this is all a really stretchy interpretation of someone being naked and the inaction of the sun causing the damnation. Yeah, but then how does how does he know? How does Noah know? Right, what does Ham do to him? If that's the that's the black Israelite guy's interpretation, is this story is about honor, and it's it's not about like any of those other things. It's just he saw him, he was naked, he told his brothers. Right, I, 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 I think that's what the Yahweh is trying to achieve here as well, even though it doesn't make very good sense because. Uh, you know, it's conflicting. What's what 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 had happened in the original opposing narrative? Hmm. So one of the things I was thinking about in terms of this like opposing narrative thing is like like who's making the argument? Who has the opposing narrative? And one of the things I was thinking in this case was what would the Canaanites take on it be? Because Right, like the Canaanites, it seems to me they were like the Native Americans of their day, right? (laughs) It's like the Israelites came in, they had their thing going, they probably killed a bunch of people. And uh, yeah, so yeah, so it's like it's propaganda in dehumanizing the people who were there first or there, you know, who knows, the people who were around. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so one of the things that occurred to me was what would the Canite take on the situation be? 
or Canaanite pig. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It may, may have it may have been originally very uh, pro Canaanite in the opposing narrative, and so obviously the uh, the Awas is going to push against that. The priestly source is going to push against that, uh, which is ironic because uh, I think the consensus is that the Israelites were Canaanites, and um, so a lot of this propaganda is is really just trying them to distinguish themselves from the Canaanites, even though they were Canaanites. Right, it's like they want to have that uh that like national story, right? Like this is the this is that. This is what we're reading is the national story of the the Israelites. Which and and just uh just so you guys know, everyone at this point in the story is black and the black man is the original man. And what else did I write down? <laughs> he he actually he actually did make some good points because he's like oh yeah that's what I want to address. <laughs> um, I'm overmodulating. He's like he's just he's just drinking in his own tent. He's not bothering anyone. He's just in his own tent, drinking, and you know the. the the story is about honor and not uh, this other sexual stuff. Because that's the thing with the Canaanites, too. They're supposed to be sexually deviant. Where do they get a code of sexuality? How can they make sexual deviance at this point? There's like six, peop- six pairs of people. <laughs> it's like, well, it seems like whatever those six people like... <laughs> That's it. Tune in next Sunday to find out where the races came from and who begat them. Is it all a conspiracy? The answer is yes! Next Sunday on an all-new Atheist Read the Bible. Music by Connected Sounds.